0: And so we lift our words and our prayers and our praises and all that we are, we lift that toward heaven. We join with heaven. And we attempt to sing with the angels and the saints um, as they sing around the throne. Even now, we attempt to join in that and just lift you up uh, for who you are. May you look down and smile on our attempt to just worship you and praise you And call you for who you are, our God. And we pray all this in our Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You can have a
1: seat. The church should care care about young people because they're going to be the life of the church in a few years. They're going to be who's gonna be running the church and they're going to be who's helping um, the newer young people so they're gonna they're gonna be what the church is going to turn into
2: I think it's important for the church to care to care about kids kids because we're because we're, we're the next generation of people that will be spreading, spreading God spreading God's word it's, it's very important for us to know for us to know for us to know God's word so we can so we can teach the next so we can teach the next generation and on and on. I think just really taking the time to listen to our thoughts and feelings and opinions about the church and just really taking those to heart.
0: Good morning, great men and women of God. I'm Susie, I'm the Generations Pastor at our church, and I'm very proud to say those students we just heard from are friends of mine. We're wrapping up our Growing Young series this morning. We've been digging into the years of research done by the Fuller Youth Institute on churches that are not only retaining young people, but also gaining young people. This research is compelling us to respond, because it says that more than half of the youth who graduate high school will walk away from their church communities. Thankfully, some churches are successfully combating this mass exodus by focusing on six core values in their congregations. I believe that Pulpit Rock is one of these churches, and I believe that these six core values reflect the life lived by Jesus. Two weeks ago, we kicked off this series by looking at Mark chapter 10, when people began bringing children to Jesus. And he didn't shoo them away so he could go about his father's business. He scooped them all up, he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. And he told the adults around him, I am about my father's business. My father's kingdom belongs to these. If we want to be a part of God's process in the lives of our kids, we have to commit to being a part of doing it his way. These core values reflect his way. Last week we began looking at the first three core values that exist in churches that are growing young. Unlocking key chain leadership, giving the next generation room and grace to lead, empathizing with the next generation, being willing to listen to our kids without needing to give a perceived answer, and taking Jesus' message seriously, not shying away from tough questions about our faith journeys, realizing that great questions from our kids are far better than great answers given by us. Today we will talk about the other three core values that exist in churches growing young. We're going to hear from our student ministries director, Mark Wendell, on being the best neighbor. We will hear from our senior pastor, Thomas Thompson, on prioritizing youth and their families. And I'm thrilled to tell you that our kids ministry director, Molly Wendell, will be sharing some closing thoughts with us today. But first I'm going to talk to you about fueling a warm community. One of the six core values that Fuller discovered existed in churches growing young was a warm community. Warmth is important in our student ministry, in our kids' ministry, in our congregation as a whole, and in our family life at home. Parents, you may be surprised to hear that one of the most effective ways to pass on your faith to your children is family warmth. In Fuller's comprehensive study of relational dynamics in more than 300 families spanning 35 years, family warmth was more correlated with the transmission of faith than any other relational factor. Let me say that again. The level of warmth in a family was more important in transferring faith from one generation to the next than any other factor. Now, as a parent, I'm thinking, well, gosh, the most effective way for me to pass my faith on to my kids is..." For me to teach them about it, model it, make sure they're in church. Turns out family warmth is the most effective way for me to pass on my faith to my kids. And it's the same for the church family. But here's the catch. Parents and adults are not the best judge of warmth in our families and congregations. As is true with so many aspects of family and church life. This study found that it is our child's perception of closeness that matters more than our own perception of closeness. In other words, how our children and teenagers feel about our relationship with them is more important than how we feel. Now, young people are likely to be more strict in grading our level of warmth, but their grade counts more than ours. Warm is the new cool, right? (laughs) Thanks for that. When I got my hands on this research a year ago, this rattled me a little bit. At that time, I had just been put in charge of the student ministry. And I was thinking, isn't that what the youth group is supposed to be, the cool program of the church? Isn't that how you reach teenagers? Well, I do think that's how you reach teenagers, but I don't think that's how you lead them on their journey of faith. And I'll confess to you, we as a youth group were a mile wide and an inch deep. I said, God, you've got to help me with this. And God's answer came in the form of a big bearded man sitting right over here, Mark Wendell, who is probably, yeah, let's hear it for him. The students are here for you today, Mark. He's probably the warmest man I've ever met. I know you students would agree. Uh, We're going to hear from him in a minute. But about a year ago, Mark and I began focusing more on the level of warmth in our youth group and less on the level of cool in our youth programs. And you know what we began hearing? Things like, this youth group feels like it's my youth group now. It seems like every kid is the cool kid these days. I feel like I belong here. I now oversee both the student ministry and the kids ministry at our church, and I was ecstatic to bring on Molly Windle as our kids ministry director. Molly and I are also focusing on the level of warmth in our kids programs. This is catching on. The Four Youth Institute said, we had a hunch at the start of our research that authentic community would be important to young people in your church and neighborhood. But we were surprised by how much of growing young is influenced by whether or not congregations are warm and accepting. And the warmth young people seek isn't usually clean and tidy either. We should be okay with that because family isn't neat and tidy, it's messy. And messy is a good word to describe what young people want from a congregation. This is good news for us, Pulpit Rock. We do messy well. Our young people want to share in our messiness. Not only that, they want to walk alongside the authentic messiness of others. Don't we all want that? They want to sit at the table with us, that warm, real, messy, awesome table. We believe that in our kids and our student ministries. We believe that every kid needs adults in their life, walking alongside them in their faith journey, sharing in that beautiful mess. Would you be willing to join our team? Would you be willing to join us in creating more and more intergenerational warmth at Pulpit Rock? You don't have to be cool, you just have to be warm. Let's hear from Mark Wendell. It
3: is—it's um, no mystery that Susie talked the most about being messy, and then I got to come talk. Like it's a natural transition, and what a treasure a treat! It is humbling and honoring to be handed this baton of a microphone this morning, speaking up and wrapping up this series of growing young, uh, sons of light and daughters of day. Good morning. I miss you. Fifty-six. Good morning. Well said. What a treat to be here with you together today. Over this past year, it has been a treat to play chase uh, with Susie. She's a tremendous leader, and she has vision that God has given her for how this place ought to be. And boy, it is always, it will always be a privilege uh, to share any platform with Thomas Thompson. He is my pastor. He is my senior pastor. And whether he likes it or not or realizes it or not, Thomas is a hero of my personal faith. So it is a treat to be here with you together this morning. The next natural step after talking about fueling a warm community is talking about being a neighbor. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Now, empowering our young people, certainly, but all of us together as an adult in the congregation of Pulper Rock Church, is this empowerment piece of being a neighbor. Not just being a neighbor. Not even a good neighbor. Let's be the very best neighbors that we can possibly be. How can we be the best neighbors in the world that needs neighboring more than ever. Now, let's clarify the neighborhood, the, the world and culture. We're empowering all of us together, each other to go reach. The world is what's going on out there. Outside of this church's 164 walls. Most buildings have four walls. I have no, this, this, this church building has infinite numbers of walls. Mark, I still don't know how many edges this church has. Every time I leave the office, I find a room that I've never seen before. The world is what goes on out there outside of our ordinary but culture is different isn't it if there's one big world out there how many different cultures exist in that world lots of them countless i dare not say infinite because that's a weird number the world is out there but the culture you know we know is the beliefs the customs the arts the symbols the words the art the fashion the ethnic and gender identity the sexual identity of a particular society, group, place, or a time. Thomas, yesterday, while leading a general session at our Pulpit Rock Church leadership huddle, there were several hundred people here. Man, it was a great day. What a great day to pour into each other as leaders at Pulpit Rock. He said, you know what culture is? It's just the heartbeat. It's the operation of your organization. That's culture. So while we live in one big world, there are many, many different cultures. I want to encourage you folks together that Pulpit Rock is working feverishly to speak with one unified voice and is seriously committed to cultural training. Let's do a quick training exercise together. Everybody take your left hand and put it right up near your chin. Good job, 56. Here we go. Now take your right hand and keep it down here near you. Tell me, anytime I were to go out into the neighborhood, Out into the world to be a neighbor in different cultures most of us when we go out to neighbor we think we're up here when I went to Haiti I thought I was up here now socioeconomically financially I probably was up here that's not really what we're talking about I wanted to encourage our high schoolers when you go work with neighborhood kids at Mitchell High School we probably think that we're up here and we think that those that we're gonna go neighbor with are down here But if we're really gonna do this right, and we're gonna be the very best of neighbors, we will realize that we're all poor and we're all powerless, right? Because poverty is born out of a broken relationship with God. It's born out of sin. So how many of us in the room are poor and powerless? All of us, together. So when we go neighbor, we learn how to be the best neighbors, what if we can train and we can be the best neighbors, what will happen to these two hands? They will become the same. Could we be the best neighbors and realize that I am like them because I am broken. I am a jar of clay. Let's learn how to be the best neighbors. I want to show you a picture full of neighbors. Now, these are neighbors from Pulpit Rock who we're encouraging to be the best neighbors to go out into the world, into these different cultures, and be best the very best of neighbors. Just study the picture for a moment. I love the picture. It's full of vibrant pictures, uh, colors, people's faces. This is in the parking lot at Mitchell High School. You'll recognize some Shoreys. You'll recognize some Tynan's. There's a rug, go big old Braden Whitmarsh back there. I love that his head's popping up above the rest, and it should, because you know what? It took 30 seconds for Braden to plug in with those kids. He's such a natural. He was learning how to be the best neighbor, working with neighborhood children at Mitchell High School. Now look at the neighbors that are over there. There's Efren, Joaquin's hiding in the back with Demetrius. There's Victor down front shooting some kind of symbol. I don't know what he's doing. There's Brayton and Demonte. these are beautiful, wonderful children, Tayshawn sticking his face up in the back there. These are neighboring experiences that we're trying to empower these young people to go get and maximize to learn how to be better servants and neighbors. I'm so proud of these young people who will go, go, go learning to be the best neighbors. I love that picture. It is an absolute favorite. Four quick things. Here we go. The very best neighbors ask the question, who are my neighbors? Now, we're talking about Pulpit Rock Church. We're raising up neighbors to go out into the neighborhood. We're talking about students who serve at Thursday Survey. We're talking about just yesterday, we got the results of uh, kindergarten through the fifth grade age children who were encouraged could you raise $139.14 because Psalm 139.14 says, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That was the challenge. $184.80, and two chapsticks later, They raise the funds. Children are being empowered to be the very best neighbors. We have Awana children who are raising money while rocking in rocking chairs to raise money for programs in local uh, senior homes and retirement homes. We have sports camp campers who are raising money for those kids at Mitchell High School. They are leading the way. They're being encouraged to lead the way. They're being pushed to the front of the line. And we always always have work teams of adults here who are helping deployed military families through work projects at their homes. But who are our neighbors? We're sending them. The Bible talks about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. During this time of year, one of our greatest challenges back to school season is getting our students and children to realize who their neighbors are, that they will go neighbor. We're talking about hurting siblings. We're talking about distracted parents. We're talking about people that these students share locker space with. Can they see the boy sitting at the end of the lunch table all by himself? Will they go talk to the girl who sat on the bus for the 50th day in a row? Church, I'm calling it out. We have an epidemic cluster of death by suicide of teenagers in El Paso County. Let's neighbor, let's be the best neighbors. The time for that is up. Let's empower these young people to be the best of neighbors, asking who are my neighbors? They not only ask, but they do. We've been beating the drum, the mantra, the call for over a year in student ministry has been stop talking about it and start doing it. James James 1.22 says, don't just hear, but be a doer of the word. It's time to go and do and stop talking about it. We will know our neighbors by going and doing. The best neighbors ask, the best neighbors do. The best neighbors are hospitable, but we're honoring what's good. In the world sometime, let's confess together. Is it difficult to see what's good and beautiful? Sometimes it's hard because we are constantly inundated with negative things. Our teenagers, our children now, by the push of a button on their phones, have eternal, constant access to negative imagery and messaging. Let's focus on what's good and beautiful. We are for. We're against things, yes, but let's focus more on what we're for rather than what we're against. Pulpit Rock Church is for community and networking. We're about belonging. We are for restoration. We are for us. We are for redemption. And we are for the future. But I will tell us together today as a church that we, talking about the things that we are against, if they are framed inside of and overwhelmed by what we're for, we can really talk about them. We can learn how to be the best neighbors if we will be hospitable. Chick-fil-A's got to figure it out, don't they? My pleasure. Let's be hospitable. We will certainly exist in a culture that values belonging before believing. We will ask. We will do. We will be hospitable. Fourthly, this morning, being the best neighbors, we have to be patient. Let's learn how to respect the journey, not just the destination. Now I believe in a destination. I'm going to heaven someday. And if the Lord were to see fit that that were today, so be it, because as soon as that happens, I'm on a par three golf course with Christ the Lord and Savior and Peter himself. Let's go. The Apostle Paul said, if I'm present here, absent from there. But if I'm absent from here, it means I'm present with God. I want to be there. The destination is real. But let's respect the journey about some different destinations today. Let's allow God to teach us to neighbor those on their journey to the destination of being drug free. That can be a destination. Let's respect the journey of neighbors to avoid sexual immorality. That's a destination of having united family, of earning grades honestly, of pursuing maturity in Christ. Being the best neighbors means respecting, cherishing the journey. Let's be patient, hospitable. Let's do, let's ask. Again, encouragement that these things about fueling a warm community and being the best of neighbors are the highest priorities at Pulpit Rock Church. And I'm honored to be a part of what God is doing here and the leadership that is leading us in those ways. So for the next few minutes, let's please welcome Thomas. He's going to help us keep more of our priorities straight.
1: Uh, Every time I hear Mark speak about the church, I get excited and I think, I want to go to that church. And I'm like, oh yeah, I do. And I'm also so thankful, Susie, that you said warm is the new cool. You don't know the pressure I face to be cool. I mean, I I really, it's hard for me to be cool all the time. And you're saying I can tone it down. That's awesome. So good. (laughs) Hey, we have been uh, drilling into a passage of Scripture the last three weeks. Susie mentioned it. I want to return there one last time because I want to bring something out for us. And it's this, Mark chapter 10. People brought children to Jesus for him to touch them. That meant he would bless them. People were saying, I want my kids to be healthy. I want my kids to be happy. I want them to be successful. I want them to love God. Let's take them to this religious man. Let's take them to this rabbi. And and maybe his blessing would give them some kind of power and protection. And they were bringing their kids to Jesus. And the disciples did what? What did the disciples do? Reprimanded them. Don't do that. Now, here's what's bothered me about this verse over the last three weeks. Honestly... What kind of knucklehead would do that? Seriously. Have you ever heard of an adult who said, I don't want kids to come to Jesus? Like, that seems so foreign to us. But we need to understand something about the culture that was happening here. Back in this day with Jesus, children were just pre-adults. What they thought didn't matter. What they felt didn't matter. You know what mattered? What grown-ups thought. Grown-ups know best. Grown-ups know what they should do. And so kids, they, they shouldn't be seen or heard. Keep them quiet. Keep them out of the way. Now, when they grow up, when they finally become interesting, when they can carry a conversation or maybe carry some wood, then we'll talk to them. But until then, keep them away, go away, because the grown-ups are talking. It was very much like you described, Mark. It was this kind of culture. Adults were like, well, we're here, and, and someday we'll pour into them, but for right now, let's focus on us. What did Jesus think about that? But Jesus was what? That's a powerful emotion to describe Jesus Christ. Think about all the things he saw in his life. And today it says he was angry. He said to them, let the children come to me, don't stop them. Why was Jesus angry? Jesus was angry at people who thought that kids didn't matter. Jesus was angry at people who thought that what kids thought or what kids felt wasn't important. And so in this very shocking act, he reprioritized the community to put the kids up front, ahead of the adults. Now get this, I mean this is very revolutionary. Here's all these adults standing around, the kids run in, and the the, the disciples push them back. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to take the kids, and I'm going to move them to the front of the line. Adults, you go to the back of the line. And every adult there was like, what? This is one of the ways we see the inherent unfairness of Jesus. Jesus is unfair. He always seems to prefer those on the margins to those who know everything. He seems to prefer those with simple faith to those who seem to have complicated ministry strategies. He has a bias and a preference for a church and a group that would be vibrant because of its welcoming culture and its over-investment in the lives of young people. So I just want you to hear something today as we're thinking about this series, and it's something I believe, and it's this. Theologically, we are on solid ground when we prioritize young people everywhere at Pulpit Rock. What does that look like? What would it look like if our church took the same approach to kids that Jesus did? If we said, we're going to put the children up front, it would mean a couple things. At first, it would mean this. It would mean we'd start asking a question. This question would be a question we ask in everything we do. Whether it's our Sunday morning services, whether it's a mission trip, whether it's our city involvement, whether it is Bible study or children's ministry or outreach, we would ask this question. How can young people participate and lead in this? How can young people participate and lead in this? Now, we don't ask this question to get kids to come to our things. We're asking this to invite kids and young people to lead with us. This is an important question. I want you to read that with me. How can you out loud. Sorry, I didn't say that. How can young people participate and lead in this? Our young people are ready to explore their gifts. They're ready. They have a voice. One of the things over the last year uh, that Jessica and I have realized as parents is what you said, Susie, we we thought we were doing a good job of always telling our kids what we were gonna do. And we're realizing now we don't always ask them to be involved. We tell them what we're gonna do. And they have great ideas when we're learning to do that. So I want you to think for a second: what are you involved in here at Pulpit Rock? Do you teach a class? Do you serve in a ministry? Do you stand at a door? Do you lead out in some missions? Are you going out into our city? This is a great question to ask. What would it look like for me to invite young people into this? Get their opinions, their ideas, their energy. There's a second question I think that arises out of this because we're not just prioritizing children. We're actually, when we put those kids up front, remember, these kids weren't just running loose on the streets. Parents were bringing their kids. And so we're prioritizing families. I'll tell you this, parenting is one of the loneliest jobs on the planet. No one tells you that when you decide to have kids. They all like, oh, it's gonna be great, and later you're like, no one told me. Have you guys come to find that parenting can be lonely? Over the last year, we have some, we we have fantastic kids, and I'm gonna let you know a secret today, kids. If you're in this room, I'm gonna tell you a secret about your parents. Are you ready? We don't know what we're doing. Did you guys figure that out? We, you think we know what we're doing, right? We don't know what we're doing. Yes. You did know that? Good. Whereas kids, that is. That's awesome that you know that. <laughs> Jessica and I, over the last year, we've been praying over the last couple months. We said, man, we've got to find another couple in this church that's a little older down the road uh, just because we're, we feel so alone. We don't know what we're doing. And I, sometimes I just want to hear another parent say, you're not alone. You're not crazy. This too shall pass. When parents are in a crisis, where do they turn for help? Hey Siri, what do I do when my kid. I don't see kid in your contacts. She says, I don't see kid in your contacts. What is your child's first and last name? Siri doesn't know my kids. But I tell you what, have you parents ever done that in the last 12 months? Have you gone online looking for some kind of help? It's why we want to be a ministry that, that says, look, you don't have to go online. You don't have to go out there. We want to partner with you. I love that uh, Mark, you spoke about this epidemic of suicide. Uh, our, our, our parents' ministry, our adult swim ministry had an event a few months ago where we invited some ex- experts to come in and say, here's what's going on. Here are things that you can be aware of. We got to ask questions because all of us are concerned and we don't know where to turn. Prioritizing families means we're always asking this question. Here's that second question. How can we help parents, not parent alone? Say that question with me. How can we help parents, not parent alone? My dream for every parent that walks into this building, that walks on this property, is that they would say, you know, when I'm at Pulpit Rock, I don't feel like I'm in this by myself. Wouldn't that be great? This is why we don't want you parents to to drop your kids off and go do your thing. We want you to we want to come alongside you. We want to partner with you. We're in this with you. This is why we have those adult swim groups where we get together as parents and process and talk things. This is why we have physical resources out in the, the gathering place where we say, hey, there are some books and some resources that we think are the best that would really help. This is why we have online options that, that help you kind of connect with a community, our Adult Swim Facebook page. This is why this fall we're going to have a breakfast and we're going to say, we're going to take uh, the, 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 the small group leaders of your kids and we're going to take you and we're going to put you in a room together and you guys can look at each other and meet and go, okay, we're in this together. We're both parenting We're coming alongside each other this is why we encourage you to serve alongside your kids when they're young in our kids ministry some of you maybe you like me I did not feel equipped to be a spiritual leader to my kids I don't know what to do guess what if you're in that boat jump in a class with your kid let them learn with you let them watch you lead let them watch you fumble about because what's more important than what you know is the fact that you are there we'll help you Here's the thing, a church that confines the involvement of young people to their youth group or kids ministry, you guys go to the back, adults are going to stay up here, are going to be a church that won't have young people or emerging adults stick around. What will happen is they'll get to a certain age, 50%, they're gone. So we prioritize pe- uh, uh, young people by looking for ways to help them participate. And we prioritize families by partnering with parents. Now, here's one last question I just want to touch on. You may have come up in the series. Thomas, if we spend so much time, if we put the kids up front, what's there going to be left for us? You ever think about this? Uh, uh, Rich, one of our leaders, was sharing this with me. He says, we tend to think about life like a parking space. It, it, it's, this is the resource. And, and if we back out of the parking space and we let young people move in, then, then, then where do we go? And he said, what if instead of a parking space, it was a tailgate party? And what if we said, hey, why don't you come in and, and, and we'll show you how to grill and we can eat together and you could teach us a game and what happens is everybody wins. And that's the secret, that's the surprise. When churches say, we wanna grow young, we wanna put the kids in the front, all generations benefit. When you give young people a bigger part of the pie, you know what happens to the pie? It gets bigger. And here's where we see that happen in Scripture. Look, this is amazing. Jesus goes on, and these guys are wondering, like you're wondering, why in the world did you put the kids up front? We're important. What what are you doing with this? And Jesus said, here's why I just did that, because the kingdom of God belongs to people like these kids. And I'm telling you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will what? Never get into it. Now, this is something for us. Jesus has just moved from a command to welcome children to a command to become like a child. We are always telling kids, why don't you grow up? Why don't you grow up? And here in Mark, Jesus is telling adults, why don't you grow young? Otherwise, you won't get the kingdom. To receive the kingdom, we have to rediscover what it means to be a kid, to play, to trust, to love, to share, to be open when we've been hurt to listen, to grow. And so this is the the sweet surprise. When we prioritize young people, we grow young too. They can teach us how to enter the kingdom. So great men and women of God, may we be a church who sees kids and scoops them up and doesn't shoo them away. May we respond to the next generation the way that Jesus did that day. And he hugged them, laid his hands upon them, and blessed them. I want us to be that kind of church. Now, I'm not advocating that you walk out of this room and start grabbing kids. Hey, don't do that. Please, really, don't do that. What would it look like for us to do that? It would mean we smile when we see kids. We stop and we learn a name. We listen to a story. We get inspired by their energy and ideas. Sometimes the kids in church and they are doing something we're like, oh, and I, I wanna be like, wow, there's life and energy, someone's moving. That's great. This means we ask kids and students, well, what do you think we should do? It means we encourage parents, you're not alone. And most of all, it means we receive the kingdom as we are filled with hope about the future of the church. And I don't know about you, but everywhere I look out there, the message I'm receiving is that Christianity is shrinking, the church is shrinking, we're under attack, blah, 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 we're not going to last. And I want to tell you, the reports of our demise have been greatly exaggerated. This kingdom is going forward because we got kids. Leading the way, may we grow young with them. Do you welcome Molly Wendell to share with us?
2: Thank you, Thomas. Um, man, these past few weeks have been so good. Um, and I'm excited to be up here as we start to wrap things up. Uh, When we sat down as a Generations team uh, a while back as we started to look through this Growing Young content and really dig into the research, uh, a video clip immediately came to mind. Um, It's from one of my favorite TV shows. I have lots of those, but this one's from Parenthood, Um, and I knew I wanted to share it with my team, and we watched it and loved it because it so perfectly captures the behaviors of Growing Young, and so we're going to share it with you guys this morning. All you need to know as you watch um, is young Victor is about to be adopted into the Braverman family. Let's take a look.
4: Come in. Oh, Hi, Hi. Your Honor, we have uh, Hi, we have uh, Yes, yes, come on in. Braverman. Great. All right, yes, I- there's actually This is a, salsa, he's a lizard. This'll take a while. That's
0: right. a good idea, just- uh,
4: Okay, all right, come on in. Come in, please, come in. Huh? Okay, close the door. All right. Okay, everyone, please, hello, everyone, please. All right, welcome.
1: <laughs> Thank, Thank you.
4: you. All right, uh, so Joel and Julia Graham. Yes. Yeah. Hi.
1: That's, yes.
4: So now you understand that by signing this adoption agreement form, you agree to uh, take care of Victor as your own legal child, right, to provide for his health, his welfare, his educational needs? We do.
1: Yes, Your Honor. Okay.
4: Victor, do you understand? Do you agree to this adoption? Yeah. Okay then, <laughs> all right, well then, unless anyone has anything to add, I'm ready to make it official. Your Honor, yes, so if by may, mm. as grandparents, my wife Camille and myself will do the best we can to, uh, to give Victor what we've given our own children, which is our undying love and support, and also being a baseball Aficionado, Uh, I would like to teach him the art of fielding the hot grounder, (laughs) but hey, that can wait till later and...
1: Uh, Your Honor, I'm sorry if if I may, I'm Adam Braverman, I'm Deacon Camille's oldest son and I promise to be your uncle. (gasps) Listen, your, your Aunt Christine and I are no substitute for your stellar parents, but we promise to be there for you no matter what.
0: You can always come to me, Victor, if you need help. And I promise I won't rat you out to your mom. I can give you dating advice.
4: <laughs> and then I can help repair the terrible damage that her what dating advice what? does. What okay. is I'm
2: willing to teach you how to ride a motorcycle and play an instrument. Oh, your girl so troubles so will vanish
0: immediately <laughs> once you know those two things.
4: Yeah. And you can come to my house anytime. We can play Xbox and you can sleep over and stuff. Now that you're
0: adopted, you can officially hold my lizards. Okay. <laughs> I promise to love you, buddy. Yeah. No matter what. Me too. Okay. Okay.
4: It's quite a family you're coming into. When all right, on this date, January 24, 2013, Joel and Julia Graham have officially adopted Victor Graham. You're now legally their child. You have all the rights of any natural child.
0: Okay.
4: I will hereby sign this order confirming the adoption.
0: All right. Yeah.
4: Judge, can i use your gavel sure one let's
1: Yeah, you bet, buddy. Thanks, Mom. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sorry.
4: (laughs) Beautiful family. They're something, aren't they?
2: Oh, I'm a sucker for things like that. Um, And not just because my loud, obnoxious family can give the Braverman clan a run for their money. Um, But did you see it? the beautiful, messy, loud chaos of family. They were all there, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, cousins, friends, even a lizard named Salsa. They were all there and they each spoke to how they will love Victor, how they will welcome him in, what they would bring to the table. Baseball lessons and Xbox games and dating advice, a listening ear, unending love and support that's it church that's what we've been talking about with one another these past few weeks that's what we're striving to create here at pulpit rock and there is a role for each of us in that in the lives of our kids and students no matter your age or your talents or your skills it's so easy for us to feel like well that's not me i'm not called to do that i'm not qualified i'm not equipped to do that But that seat at the table with our next generation is reserved for you by Jesus. He's the one who's called us to be there. He's the one who will equip us. This next generation is yearning to be welcomed in, to be empathized with, to be handed those keys, to be empowered. All we have to do is pull up a chair and engage. If you've been sitting here today or the last few weeks thinking, yes, that's me, I want to be the one who welcomes in the next generation. To rock the baby, or play silly games with seven-year-olds, or to really dig deep with our students in some of life's messiness, then I urge you, I encourage you to fill out one of these cards. Get us your information. We are excited, we are thrilled to partner with you as we seek to make PRC Growing Young. As we end, I'm actually gonna call Susie and Thomas back over here. Um, and I'm going to invite our student ministry students, our 56ers. I know we've got, I'm sure, a ton of little kiddos who are out there trying to be quiet. If you guys could just move forward, get out of your seats and come on up. If you, In fact, if you serve with any of those groups, will you come as well? We're going to just spend some time in praying over our next generation. Come on, kiddos. In fact, let's let's give them a hand. Get them out of their seats.
0: Good job, kiddos. Keep moving in. Quite a family we have here, isn't it? This is great. Come on up, guys. Church, we're going to close in prayer. Thomas and I are going to pray. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would, to pray with us. And as they're filing up here to the front, Um, As we pray, would you maybe just focus in on a group of kids, one kid, a leader, a group of leaders? Um, As we pray, just focus your prayers in on them, and um, we're going to close out this awesome series with just some blessing on this next generation. All right. Please join me in prayer. God, we thank you for these kids of ours these sons of light, and these daughters of day. We recognize that they aren't the church someday. They are the church today. And for some reason, you have entrusted them to us. You've brought them to our table. I believe that's because you love us and you give us good things. We are humbled that you invite us into your process of shaping their lives and their faith. (laughs) I thank you for the way you use them in my life to mold me. We pray your spirit would guide this next generation's steps, their thoughts, and their hearts as they seek to follow you. I pray a special blessing over the adults you have brought to the ministries that serve these kids. Our volunteers are your hands and feet. I pray they are encouraged at the difference they are making in the lives of your kingdom. Would you continue to guide our adult leaders into those divine interactions? Bless them, God, as they pour themselves out for your sake.
1: And Lord, I, I'm, I'm humbled as I realize that 69 years ago, a group of men and women got together. They were driven by a passion to start a church, a church that would put kids up front. And for all these decades, there have been faithful men and women and faithful students continuing to pass that baton off again and again, and now we get to hold it for a while. Thank you. Thank you. May we be faithful in what you've called us to do. May we grow young so we can receive the kingdom. So that we can share the kingdom with others. Lord, you know some of our needs that we have in this church. As a family, we got some holes to fill. we got some some opportunities to love on kids. And I just pray that you would be the one, Holy Spirit. You speak to hearts. You call out men and women. And I pray especially today you call out someone who goes, I am scared to death and I don't think I could do that in a million years, but I'll go. You say, I'll move. Thank you, Lord, for our part in this journey. In Christ's name we pray and we agree. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're going-